So I'm going to um, just focus on the, the four Gospels and uh, look at the question of, do we have now what they wrote then in the originals? Can we um, have confidence in our reconstruction of the text as being something that at least closely resembles the text as it was originally produced by the people who produced it? And uh, next week I will sort of delve back into the foundation of this, which is the question of, well, who wrote those texts originally? When did they write them? Were they in a good position to know what they were talking about? Um, So uh, you could put the talks in the other order, but this is the order we're doing it in. So there we go. Um, I'm continuing to uh, pre-advertise my my new book. I'm told now by the publisher that it's coming out in uh, September this year. Uh, understanding Jesus in September so I'm, I'm still drawing on I've got a whole chapter in that book on uh, the questions addressed by the two talks that I'm giving this week and, and next week uh, this relates to what I call the, the chain of testimony uh, if you think of uh, the different links that link us trying to access a historical event to that historical event through some sort of testimony provided about it by someone I think there are basically four links in that chain um, between the reported event and the source of our testimony about it, the link between that source and their writing down of a report, if we're reading a written report, uh, or someone writing down their report for them, of course. But we're looking here at links three and four, the links between the the original reports called the, the autograph and the surviving copies of that report. When we're looking at historical documents, it's not uh, you know, just churning stuff off the printing press. They hadn't invented it yet. You have to actually get people to handwrite your copies. And then link four between the, the autographed and the text we can reconstruct today from doing textual analysis on all of the surviving uh, copies of different uh, differing ages and maybe different language translations that were going on and so on. Concerning Link 3, Anthony Flew, uh, whilst he was still an atheist um, in a book in 2003, said that the textual authority, that is the earliness and the number of manuscripts for most of the Christian documents is unusually great, and that's very good uh, authority for the accuracy of the text that's provided in translation in the New Testament. I simply want to uh, agree with that, but say this is uh, a view that non-Christian scholars are are happy to adopt of this matter. Uh, Of course, he would start differing with me perhaps when we go into, uh, are are these texts accurately telling us about what happened there? He's agreeing with me that the text that we have now accurately reflects what was originally written down. Christian scholar Norman Geisler puts it this way. The average time span between the the original, the the autograph, and the earliest copy, surviving copy, of other ancient texts, uh, the average is over a thousand years, that gap, between the autograph of a text and our earliest surviving copy. On on average, a thousand years. The New Testament has a fragment of within one generation of its original composition. Whole books appear within a hundred years of the original, most of the New Testament within 200 years, 
and the entire New Testament within 250 years from the date of its completion. Of its completion. So let me put it in a graph form like this. And I'm comparing here to other standard works of uh, antiquity. Um, thing, and I'm also comparing to what are the, the, the best. So that Virgil here, in terms of this gap between the original and the copy, the earliest surviving copy, that is the next best work to the New Testament from antiquity. And you can see that it's only slightly different on the graph here. I've also mentioned when we have fragments and when we, this is having the whole copy of the whole of the text, of the completed text. Virgil is the next closest work, but then very quickly you can see through Homer, Caesar's work, the works of the Roman historian Tacitus, um, historian Herodotus, we're soon getting over that thousand years um, average for ancient antiquity. So on that, purely on that criteria, uh, it is obvious that the New Testament far surpasses the, um, the test, as it were, the sort of standard kind of historiological questions that you want to ask of an ancient text than everything else. So, uh, and as we'll kind of re repeat this, this point, so it's worth making solidly now, that when you make, you get a set of kind of standard historical questions that you'd want to sort of grill an ancient text by, and you apply it to the New Testament and, and compare it fairly to a range of other materials, what you find is that the New Testament passes the test much better than everything else does. That doesn't exclude a scepticism about the text, but it does mean that there's a bitter pill to swallow if you want to be sceptical about the New Testament on those grounds. Because if you're going to be sceptical of the New Testament, because there's a gap of you know, 250, 300 years between the autograph and our complete earliest copy, and you, you say, well, because of that gap, I'm going to be sceptical about the contents of the New Testament. Well, then, since everything else is much worse, clearly, to be consistent, you'd have to chuck out the entirety of ancient history and close down the history department in the university. I think that's probably too bitter a pill uh, to swallow for most academics. Let's just look at a couple of examples of these ancient manuscripts. So we've got complete copies of all of the Gospels from about AD 325 to 350-ish. Uh, various different codexes, that's just Latin for, for book. So originally they would have been scrolls, um, later on codexes. And this is a photo of Codex Sinaiticus. And there's various different uh, codexes that you can compare these different copies to one another. We've got major portions of all four of the Gospels and Acts from about two, AD 250. Now, exactly what you make of these gaps is, of course, somewhat dependent upon what dates you would give, as Chris was saying, to the original writings of the autographs, because there is some disagreement. But we can certainly peg the writing of those autographs to the time between Jesus' death 
in AD 30 or 33 and the end of the first century. Now, everyone from whatever position in this field agrees that the New Testament was completed by the end of the first century. So this is a, a photo of the Chester Beatty papyri. We've got several pages of Luke, for example, and of John, two uh, Gospels, one synoptic, one non-synoptic, interestingly, and the Bobma papyri from AD 200, so just 100 years after the end of the first century. And we have various fragments of Gospel, some of which are hotly contended over, whether or not they are fragments of Gospel, uh, how uh, early those fragments are. But this one is a generally recognised one, uh, the Rylands Papyrus. It contains a couple of verses from uh, John's Gospel, some on the front, some on the back. And it's generally dated to between AD 117 and AD 138. So in terms of having even fragments of ancient documents, this is astoundingly early to have a fragment from just say one generation, one, maybe one, maybe two copies removed from the original, perhaps, of an ancient text like that, given that the average gap for the whole thing is a thousand years, and, you know, that's very good. In terms of, of link four, remember I had those link three and link four, this is a, a quite a judicious quote from New Testament scholar Mark D. Roberts from his book, Can We Trust the Gospels? Uh, quite a good recent book, 2007, I recommend it to you. He says, the abundance of manuscripts and the antiquity of manuscripts, when run through the, the mill of textual critical, textual critical methodology, allows us to know with a very high level of probability what the evangelists, what the writers of the Gospels and the other New Testament authors wrote. So we can have confidence that the critical Greek texts of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John represent with a very high degree of probability what the autographs of the Gospels actually contained. And scholars will actually put percentages on these because they can go through and sort of say, well, you know, how many verses are we looking at? How many differences are we looking at? How many of these are ones that still have enough of a dispute about for us to say that we're unsure what the contents should be. Uh, and generally the statistics get into the sort of 98 percentile of saying we are very sure about, about 98% of the contents of those texts today. So another bit of uh, graphic fun here. Uh, ancient manuscripts, how many? Um, so we have here uh, Plato, uh, works of Caesar, Livy, Aristotle, Sophocles, Homer, and the New Testament. Well, I haven't put the New Testament in there yet, because that has to make the impact, you see. Clearly the closest here, in, in terms of, of numbers of manuscripts, so the previous graph was what was the, the, the gap in years between the original and the earliest complete copies. This is, well, how many manuscripts are you working from? when you do that textual criticism of comparing and contrasting the kind of genealogical uh, trees of those manuscript copyings. For the New Testament, compared to the next closest, which in this case is Homer's work, uh, which we have 643 different 
manuscripts to work from, which is very good, as you can see, compared to lots of other stuff. In the New Testament, we have 24,633. So, quite a lot. An embarrassment of riches. Um, let's cut that down a little bit. Let's just look at the Greek manuscripts, because this is including all of the translations. Uh, Chris was saying it was originally written in Greek, but as it gets copied out uh, around the empire, you end up with copying into you know, Coptic and Latin and, um, and so on. So let's just look at the, the Greek manuscript tradition. 5,700 Greek manuscripts to compare compared to Homer's the next closest, Sophocles at 193, Aristotle at 49, down to Plato at only seven different copies. I was watching a very good lecture the other day from Tyndale House's Bible and Church Conference, uh, and a guy was doing a similar talk, but he was comparing the New Testament Gospels to the manuscript tradition of the extra-canonical Gospels, so things like the Gospel of Thomas, and Peter and so on, the Gnostic Gospels, Gospels from the 2nd and 3rd century. Uh, ones that say things like, you know, this is the Gospel of Peter, even though it's you know, written long after the guy was dead. Um, and pointing out that, that for those Gospels, we only have, say, one partial copy of that text in translation. Uh, and that was about as good as it got. Um, so there's an even bigger kind of contrast be, to be drawn between the New Testament Gospels and the, the second and third century non-canonical Gospels. Geyser and uh, Turek put it like this, there's nothing from the ancient world that even comes close in terms of manuscript support to the New Testament. Most other ancient works survive on fewer than a dozen manuscripts Yet few historians question the historicity of the events those works describe. And again, you know, it doesn't preclude you being sceptical on those grounds, but if you wanted to be sceptical on these grounds, you know, 24,000 copies is not enough for you, well then you have to chuck everything else out as well. And I'll close with this quote. I love this quote. You've probably heard me quote this before, but I think this makes a very significant point. It's from the New Testament Oxford scholar R.T. France, and he put it like this. At the level of their literary and historical character, and of course we focused in this talk on the literary character, we've got good reason to treat the Gospels seriously. Many ancient historians would count themselves fortunate to have four such responsible accounts written within a generation or two of the events, and in terms of what we're looking at today, preserved in such a wealth of manuscript evidence. But just a little while later, he makes a very significant point. He says, beyond that point, the decision as to how far a scholar is willing to accept the record they offer is likely to be influenced more by their openness to a supernatural worldview than by strictly historical considerations. And I think that's right. But if you were purely going to focus on applying the standard historiological questions that you want to ask about the reliability of a, of a text. Does this text that we've reconstructed here in the critical Greek New Testament edition reflect what was originally written? Then for the New Testament Gospels, the answer is yes, 
with a very high degree of probability. That means such a high degree of probability that you know, it seems to me unreasonable to doubt that the answer is yes, if not impossible. But if you did want to go there to be consistent, you're going to have to chuck out the whole of the rest of ancient history uh, along with it. Um, so I would say don't chuck out the, the whole of ancient history, include the New Testament, but then realize that there's still room for disagreements over the reliability in terms of what it's, it's, it's telling us, but that discussion is going to be not fought so much on the ground of these historical questions, because the New Testament passes them with flying colours. It actually comes when it comes to the ground of which um, worldview perspective are you coming at that text with, and to what degree are you going to allow the sort of hermeneutic between the evidence and your assumptions to happen? What's that dialogue going to be like for you? So there we go, I'll finish there.